You have clearance, Clarence. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode four of So There I Was. It's how every great aviation tale begins. The title of this show is I Should Have Been Thrown in Jail 35 Years Ago. Was that you, Fig? It was not me. It was Sinbad. Sinbad, uh, I, we call him Sinbad the Sailor Man. He was not a sailor. He was a Marine. But uh, he was our guest today. Personal friend. Known him for 30-plus years. Met him when we were lieutenants together. At the, Actually, I met him at the basic school. But we went through uh, flight school, the Harrier rag together. And then he went to Yuma and... Never really learned how to be a V-Stall pilot, but he's going to, there you go. he's going to refute that. Yeah, of course he is. <laughs> he's got great he stories. He's a character. Indeed. Some great stories, some good flying stories. A couple sidelong references to some other stuff that went on in various squadrons. And we promise to circle back to those and, and, and touch on those in more depth uh, in future episodes. But uh, he, he does a good job talking about some of the wild stuff he did in airplanes and how he got out of trouble one day <laughs> with his mother in the car beside him uh, because he was a Harrier pilot 35 years prior. So that's a good story. Yeah, that's a good story. A good story. So everybody up oh, and uh, Fig's dog is calling him to dinner. So, <laughs> and Fig dog is another story for another day. So <laughs> we got, we got to tell the Fig dog story. And we will someday. We, we got to tell a Fig dog story sooner or later. Might as well it, let it out sooner. Uh, it, yeah. But, but we're not, this is just the intro, so not now. So everybody, <laughs> sit back and join the show. I should have been thrown in jail 35 years ago. Episode four of So There I Was. Thanks for listening. That's how every great aviation tale begins. Repeat here from New Hampshire tonight, joined with my co-host. Hey, this is Fig, Kansas City. We are joined by special guest Sinbad from the great state of Nebraska. Welcome, Sinbad. Welcome, gents. Glad to be here. Glad you could come and join us tonight. Uh, some uh, some great stories ahead, everybody, I can assure you. Um Another, uh, another fellow Harrier driver who survived in spite of his best efforts, I'm sure. Now, you know, repeat, uh, we, we, I, 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 I didn't want to say this, but now I feel I have to because now we're recording. He was from, uh, he spent all his time in Yuma, you know, hot. They, don't, they don't do a lot of V-stall out there, so he's not nearly... As good not nearly as hairier as we are. He's not good. <laughs> so, He's not as hairier as we are. That's right. So from the get go, I can see it's already going to be a two v one, right where I like to be. I'm in a good position. Oh, we've got yeah. you trapped at our six, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I found the enemy. He's at my six. Yeah, that's right. right. I want him. All right. That. <laughs> well, Sinbad, uh, tell tell us. Um, 
when uh how did you get interested in aviation that's 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 a good story right there how did i get interested in aviation yeah. have you heard this story before no i kind of want to know that ex- it's not really that exciting um grew up in a small town middle of nebraska out in the uh, country and we lived about five miles on the approach end of the little municipal airport there and about every third day we'd have a swarm of crop dusters that would come right in over our head and i'd sit there mowing the yard stand there mowing the yard and watch these crop dusters coming in saying that is something i'd probably like to try someday and then from there it went to air shows at off the air force base my dad would take my brothers and i to the air show and that is really what hooked me was the air show yeah can you uh, think of an age that you really remember, uh, hey, this is, this is. The, I want to say, sh- Chuck, I'm going to say probably around 10 to 12. Okay. 10 to 12 years of age. Nice. Somewhere in there. Yeah. So then it, it, it went on. Then the Harrier is what I saw at the air show. And I said, I'm going to fly that airplane. And then this is a true story. <laughs> going to fly that airplane. Had, had that airplane poster uh, in my, in my room in high school. And then uh, when I went on to, to college, had another had the same poster in college so that's what i wanted to do it was an a model poster then it was an a model yeah 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 exactly Sweet. i think i mentioned it on one of the first shows uh, somewhere before this but yeah the first time i ever saw the harrier was was on television and i was about 12 or 13 i'm like oh, that's fake yeah no yeah. it's not yeah that can't no oh, that's fake the airplanes don't that. do that that's like here's george jetson yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> No, yeah, and I was kind of interested then. I actually got really interested when I got a ride uh, from uh, one of the one of the doctors in our town. My mother was a nurse at the at the hospital, and one of the doctors had a. Uh, fortunately, he didn't have a, a a doctor killer yet, but he had an Apache. It was next best thing to being there. Yeah, and I got a ride in that thing, and I'm like, this is cool. Thinking of doctor killers, that actually reminds me of another story. Did I tell you this one, Fig? So I'm descending into Boston about, it's probably about 10 or 12 years ago. Boston Approach says to, uh, it was, I think it was an American Eagle flight. And there was a crossing restriction at the Gardner intersection. And he says, I, I need you down to one nine or zero, uh, expedite through two, four, zero. So Eagle responds coming down, expedite through two, four, zero, one, nine, zero Gardner. And things are good. And about 30 seconds later, Boston approach comes back and says, Hey, uh, American Eagle, I really need you to expedite down through two, four, zero. He goes, American Eagle expediting through two, four, zero. Third time he calls him, he goes, American Eagle, I, I need you down faster, sir. Guy responds, I'm coming out of the sky like a dock in a bonanza. I can't give you no more. <laughs> <laughs> and there was silence on the radio. It was like, yeah. every guys were like, someone came out and goes, Oh, that's harsh. <laughs> That's serious. <laughs> yeah. That's a serious descent right there. Yeah. Like Ooh. a dock and a bonanza. Yeah. 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 Well, all right. Well, I'm, I'm dying to hear some uh, stories. I, I've heard multiple stories from you over the years. Uh, Truth and Lending Clause, you you and I are great, uh, great friends, and we talk to, uh, almost daily. But getting you nailed down for an interview has been – you're kind of slippery. You've been a little slippery. I am. I'm not good at this stuff. So, so right, right out of the gate, if you don't mind, repeat, I, I kind of wanted to tell this story that I heard uh, when we were at the reunion about uh, the competition that you guys had. I think it was the lieutenants in your squadron. 
Yeah. Is that right? Uh, th- or yeah, co- that's or company great officers. Okay. Yeah. So, so you guys, you guys have uh, pumped, right? You, you floated out in, and we were out in the middle of the Indian Ocean, and uh, we were out there for more than thirty days. I think we just had our our deck picnic that we had, but we we started getting real bored. All we did was sleep, eat, and fly around the ship, and that was it. So us lieutenants decided to uh, put a little more excitement into it. We we came up with this idea. Who could fly the highest and the fastest in the Harrier? So, lucky me, I was the first one to launch. It was my it was my day to go. And as you guys know, you had that little uh, recording that you could put with the little cassette recording, so it documented. It wasn't just word of you know word of mouth. You actually could document the HUD video. It would document mm-hmm. the HUD video, so you could see how high the guy was going and how fast the guy was going. So I launched. So you had, you had to have, you had to come back with proof. You yeah, couldn't just say this proof. is what. That's exactly right. All right. So we launch off the, the uh, USS Tarawa, and we're out there in the, in the I.O., and I proceeded to climb. And uh, you remember ocean. what the – yeah, do you remember what the uh, this surface ceiling was on that Harrier fig? 45, about 48, what? 45, 48, somewhere in there. 45. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, Mid-40s. So we climb up. I climb up by myself uh, to about – I want to say it was, it was a little over 50,000 feet. And I don't know if you've ever been that high to anything. Yeah. But when you get high, when you get up over 45, you guys probably have it. You can start seeing the curvature of the earth. Oh, yeah. And the you sky's know, not blue anymore. Dark. Yeah, it's blue, and you can see it's round. You can see the curvature around like that. Size up there. And the hair doesn't perform very well at altitude like that. No. No, nah, it's, it's like being on a, on a tip of a pin. It just kind of, you're doing a balancing act up there. Of course, I'm... What, like 25 years old and, and uh, nine foot tall and bulletproof. So I get up there and I say, okay, this is high enough. You know, I'm now it's no one's gonna, it's gonna be hard to beat this. I'm a little over 50,000 feet. Now I'm gonna push it over and see how fast we could go. So, as you guys know, Natops Limited Harrier was transonic, uh, which means just because of its fat wing and big intakes, it, you just couldn't get to go supersonic. You know, well, the, the Natops manual said 1.0 Mach. Or 550 knots indicated was the maximum airspeed. Yeah. That was the limit. That was the limit. And, and I can tell you why that's the limit. So as we as we push this thing over, as I push this aircraft over from 50,000 feet, and, and I'm headed towards the, the carrier below me, the aircraft starts getting faster and faster, and I'm seeing 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.9. And we get to about, I get to about 25, 30,000 feet and I'm doing right at 1.0 and the aircraft starts to shudder and the nose starts to tip underneath. And it, it, it got my attention to the point where I'm like, this is it. Yeah, that's exactly what it's called. I just got into mock tuck and I started to pull that stick back in my, in my leg. I didn't have much further to go. And it, I was all the way back into my lap and the aircraft was not reacting what nothing happened at all so now i'm just screaming towards the water and i'm thinking shit how am i gonna get out of this so i reach over thought about the nozzles i'm like great idea idle nozzles and i started ratcheting the nozzles the nozzles in and sure enough the nose started to come up you know ratcheting you know five ten degrees at a time and i level off at about two thousand foot over the water and i was just in a cold sweat Hey, were you, hey, what, wait, when you started down, were you at full power? 
or did you go idle? Oh yeah, no, I was at full power. Yeah, I boy. Get, That's I was what gonna, I'm talking I about. I wanted to see Mach two in this sucker if I could get it there. <laughs> I was test pilot, baby. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, not good, not good. It scared the living daylights out of me. Uh, I had enough energy to get back to the ship, and and I and I corralled the rest of the lieutenants and says, get to the ready room right now. And I put that tape in. I said, boys, I said, you're not going to believe this, but please, I, I, I win the competition right here. Anybody that tries to beat me is going to kill themselves I because I damn near did the same, but yeah, killed yeah. myself. Yeah. And, yeah. I showed, and that was the only one that tried it. No one else was like, good, you win. It was there done you go. Yeah, right. Exactly. You don't no, need to blow your own damn game. canopy open too. I, you still, remember? I think, it, yes. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. I still have that tape. I got to find it. It's hey, oh, that'd be good. Well, that oh, well, yeah, like it's that. it's that yeah. five inch tape or whatever the hell it was. It's like a like a brick iPhone type yeah, size yeah. tape. You can get it. Yeah. You can get it converted. The military yeah. quarter inch or whatever. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So stu- the stupid tricks of what you do as a lieutenant out on on, on shipboard ops, right? Yeah, that reminds me of two things. So I mentioned the canopy coming open, and we had a bunch of issues back in the day about the canopy coming open, and then they so they drilled these little portholes in there. And then drew stripes on them. You had to check and make sure that your canopy was closed and latched. The hook was over the little, yeah, bolt. the little, yeah, right. the little bolt to make sure it was closed. But they were still coming open. And uh, I got in an argument with a circular argument with the McDonnell Douglas tech rep, whose name was Dave. He's like, "Well, the pilots just aren't closing the canopy." I'm like, "Okay, is that right?" All right, Dave, that sounds good. Uh, McDonnell Douglas makes some Hornet too, right? Yeah. How many Hornet canopies come open, Dave? Well, none. So, Dave, you're telling me they put all the stupid pilots in the Harrier and, and the smart pilots in the Hornet that remember to close their canopy? No, no, Pete. It's a different system. That's my oh. point, Dave. It's the system. It's not the pilots. No, 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 no. Pete, the pilots are forgetting to close the canopy and make sure it's latched. Okay, Dave. Let me ask how many Hornet pilots have had their canopy come open? Well, none. It's a different system. Voila. He would not not get that. Yeah. 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 Dave, it's the system. The pilots aren't forgetting to latch the canopy, dude. We we know that if that thing comes open halfway, that that was the problem. It wasn't if your canopy blew off, hey, that's fine. You can go. One side would come open. Yeah. One side. If one side would come open, you just lost your ejection option. And oh, by the way, you probably fighted your engine. And now you're gonna die. So yeah, that that was nasty stuff. But the other one was the Lieutenant Protective Society. Fig, do you remember the lieutenants at two thirty one? Remember their prank? That's the word I'm looking for. My goodness, well, help me out because it had to do know, with donuts. I'm... Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we got to find someone in two thirty one that can tell that story to its fullness. But do you I remember? Watch it tell. For you. I got a guy for you. Oh, do you? Shiny. Good, shiny. No shiny. Shiny will know. Yep, shiny. Shiny. Yeah. Will... And I know Shiny knows he was probably in the middle of all of all. Oh, he probably he was, was. Yeah, he was a fraternity brother of mine in college, and yep. we yeah. did the same. We did the same thing to a sorority. Yep, uh, and <laughs> I, I, I can God. attest that we we yeah. uh, that that yeah, I did the same thing in college. I mean, yeah, my my frater- I heard my fraternity did the same thing. Exactly. I heard, I right? heard yeah. Exactly. I don't know. I don't right. know for sure. Well, we'll Dude. get that on a future episode then. But I can assure you that a it's hilarious. B it has to do with uh, breakfast pastries. And see <laughs> male genitalia. And genitalia. <laughs> hey, you know what? We we need to have Shiny on because Shiny is the only guy I know that married the commanding officer's daughter whilst he was in the squadron. You know how that happened, don't you? Gutsy move, man. So you guys remember the dirty shame? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. 
So shiny. Wait, Matt hold on. Is, what was the dirty shame? Please, please. Yeah, dirty shame. The dirty shame was the bar, the second deck of the officers club uh, at Cherry Point. Marine Who Corps hung out there? Who hung out there? Really? All, all, everybody hung out there back in the day. Well, it was pilots. The pilots. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. The pilots and their wives well, and a string of Oddly enough, as as a as a Hawk missile uh, battery platoon commander and executive officer, the Hawkers went there too. I mean, it 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 was mostly company grade. Occasionally, you know, then the opsos and a CO would dip in and out, and ca- occasionally the commanding yeah. general would show up. Yeah, you don't, you didn't see too many uh, silver oak leaves, or no, no. no. Once you, once or, you got or, or, once you got the squadron commanders, they'd make they'd come, they'd have their beer, and they'd blast. But the squadron commander's daughters would show up. Uh, oh, yes. The story of Shiny. Oh, yeah. How okay. We'll wife. let him tell that. You'll let him tell the story. Yeah. Well, I, in fact, I was on an A4 training command cross country as a student. And we went to the Dirty Shame. I was there the last night strippers were ever in the Dirty Shame. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Yes. Huh. Um, there's a guy that uh, uh, didn't fly with him. I was in Hawk Missiles with him. Let's just say that to this day, when uh, when Rich and I talk to each other on the phone, we usually open with when someone answers the phone and sees who it is. You, you answer the phone and you say, "Snossages." <laughs> it's a snack. <laughs> it's a sausage. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, uh, they were amazing talent that night. But uh, okay, way too way too much uh, angular reference here. Let's get back into some uh, some of the fun stuff that we we got to do in the airplanes and out. So you finished the rag um, in mid 90, mid to late 90. And then you promptly found yourself out in Yuma as, uh, as Fig said earlier. Yeah. So that that's uh, right. So uh, I actually did a drug deal. My initial orders were to stay on the East coast and uh, we didn't want anything to do with that. Cause we knew you would that. have been a much better uh, V-star well, I, pilot had you stayed. Yeah. yeah. But we made the drug deal, the wife and I, and we went out to uh, Marine Corps Air Station Yuma and I was lucky enough to uh, get hired by the most coveted Marine Corps attack squad in both East Coast, West Coast, the world-famous Wake Island Avengers, VMA-211, as a lieutenant. Yeah, it was good. Hey, hey why yeah. why are they world-famous? What t- t- and, and why are they, they the Wake oh, Avengers? Yeah, t- okay. t- talk they're, about they, why they're the Wake Avengers. They, the answer to that, both both those questions get answered with, it's World War World War II. Uh, when the wake when the Wake Island Avengers defended Wake Island, so Wake Island, as you guys know, just a real quick story was a was a real coveted spot for refueling, uh, and the Japanese knew they, they needed to take that over in order for their question. And so what had, what had happened was the Wake Island Avengers were on Wake Island, and we sent uh, I think it was six airplanes to, to Wake, and the rest of them were actually shot down during Pearl, Pearl Harbor. And then the six airplanes that remained were at Wake Island and they uh, defended that island for I think 18 days, 28 days. My, my history's a little bit off right there, but they, they had the first uh, sh- shoot down of a uh, Japanese ship and they, it was valiant. I mean, you know, they just, against all yeah. odds. Yeah. So that's what made them world famous. And that's what made them the Wake Island Avengers. Right. And I, I think ultimately they all succumbed to the Japanese and after did. that 18 days. You're exactly every, right. They yeah, did. Every last one of them. So, yeah, the uh, Japanese took everybody on that island and uh, did away with them. Yeah. All of them. Right? 
Yep. They were ruthless. So at the time, they were VMF 211, and it was after the Wake Island incident that squadron became the Wake Island Avengers. That's right. 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 And that, and that's what they were when I joined the squadron years later. Great story. It was a was a, an A4 event, right to a to an A8A squadron to an A8B squadron, and now they were one of the first West Coast squadrons to uh, transition to F35s. Right. What the Wake Island Avengers were. Well, that's impressive. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I'll give you that. Your well, was your logo skills... done by Walt Disney? Yeah. Was your logo, was your squadron logo done by Walt Disney? For everybody listening, we, we are on video, and I happen to have my 223 shirt on with a bulldog smoking a cigar. It was drawn by Walt Disney. Boxing gloves. By yeah. Walt Disney. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of our claim to fame. One of our many. Yeah. So anyhow, it was um, it was a good squadron to be in, especially the West Coast. So Sinbad, you uh, you probably have dozens of stories that you could say scared the shit out of you, made you laugh, things you'll never forget. You just need a trigger. Am I right? Yeah, I got one. Okay, let her rip. I got one. Uh, the only thing I'm going to preface this with uh, the statue of limitations that went off. This was not me. I think it was a squadron mate, but uh, I know the <laughs> I know the story very well. I've heard it many times, but nonetheless, this uh, young aspiring Harrier attack pilot just got his brand new section qual, and he was going to take off from Marine Corps Air Station, Yuma, Arizona, and fly section to. Qual. Section, section qual is is a is a section leader that can that two airplanes flying in together he's he's the one in charge and you he's generally the, don't go anywhere alone when you go on a mission you're always no, with you're always at a two. minimum a minimum flight of two flight of two we call it a section that's right you know, flight, flight of four, of four it was a division that's correct you know what you call a marine corps pilot with an iq of 160 me flight of four yeah i hear Uh, that all the time from the air force guys who are really sad yeah kind of squishy most of the time you know what i mean oh yeah you just turn around on them go what are you calling air force pilot when like you 100 flight of four there you go all right sorry to interrupt so you're a section leader you're a section, section lead leader. out of Yuma, or you know a section so, leader taking off. So I got off my D star qual, got my section lead qual. You know a you know a section leader in this story. That's right. Yeah, and I know a section leader in this story. Uh, so <laughs> the first opportunity that, and I'll just substitute me as we in into it, so it makes an ease of effort here. Right. We decided to go on a cross country, and we were going to. I picked another another lieutenant. I was a brand new captain to go back to mid Nebraska to visit. Uh, friends and family. They're going to show off uh, the Harrier, let him come walk around it, look at it, get some flight time, get some experience, uh, leave on a Friday and come back on a Sunday, get some flight time. So hey, we I got a quick off. question to ask you. Yes, sir. So uh, when you're in your gun squadron, I know how it worked in ours. I'm, I'm assuming it was probably pretty similar. If you wanted to go on a cross country on the weekend, that was uh all you had to do is come up with a plan, sell it to the OPSO, and they basically gave you keys to the jet, and, and you go. Is that right? That is correct. And and uh, you, uh, so the government bought the fuel, and you were on the hook for everything else. That's right. Okay, continue. Yeah. So we uh, we decided to go from Marine Corps Air Station Yuma 
to Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City to get refueled. And then from Tinker Air Force Base in Oklahoma City up to Offutt Air Force Base, actually we changed our destination and we flew into Grand Allen, Nebraska Municipal Airport. That was the plan. Uh, the plan in Tinker was to stop, get fuel, and go in and get the world famous Tinker Burger. I was going to ask go if you got a Tinker Burger. Yes. Yeah. Don't go through Oklahoma City without getting a Tinker Burger. Nobody goes through Oklahoma City. Yeah, it, well known back in the day. Everybody went in there. Uh, big, juicy hamburgers for about two bucks as they're fueling your airplane up. Strap back in and launch out. So we launched on the second segment. Everything up to this point in time was uneventful. And we're up at altitude and we get to about mid Kansas. And I tell ATC, we went to descend below uh, 18,000 feet. Uh, and once we did that, I canceled IFR and we proceeded uh, a VFR the rest of the way to our destination of Grand Island, uh, Nebraska Municipal Airport. Told my wingman to jump into a fighter wing about 0.3 off the right-hand side. And we proceeded to go low. And I knew that Minneapolis Center was the uh, radar controlling uh, that area. And once you got to a certain level, they couldn't see you anymore. So we, we dropped down, <laughs> we dropped down to about hundred foot. So you were, you were exercising tactical advantage tactical and, advantage. You, and, and is, practicing tactical low level ingress. It, it is a skill set that you have to practice to be good at. That's right. So that's okay. what we just want to make sure we you're not putting out the fact that you were doing something that we don't train to do. You were no, you are what they call not. you're flat. exactly right. No, yes, you were trained, you were getting not you were getting training. That's right. So we're traveling fairly fast. Whatever we can do with the throttles all the way in the corner, probably 650-ish <laughs> at and this is this is something. And we're moving along and, and he's asking me, how do I know where I'm going? Well, I grew up in the area, but we're traveling so fast. So I'm basically going from water tower to water tower and seeing all these little small towns that were, were all my relatives. And once you hit the South part of, uh, of Nebraska, that Kansas, Nebraska border all the way up. So I just said, shut up, stay on my wing. So we proceed going, we're hauling, hauling ass. This is a Friday afternoon. Now, my dad, my old man, was playing in Friday Afternoon Golf Club at the Aurora Municipal uh, Golf Course, a town of about 2,000 people right in the middle of the state of Nebraska. And it's a big event. Everybody in that town, farmers, you know, the, the local bankers, they, they are all part of the golf, the golf outing on Fridays. And I knew everybody was going to be out there. Now, he didn't know that I was coming. So we come from the south, and I tell my wingman just to hang on, and we are smoking doing probably 150, 100 foot. And we come right over the top of the golf course. Wait, when you say smoking, I I, I need you to define smoking for me. We're going fast, Chuck. <laughs> we're, we're going fast. As fast as you probably want to go in that airplane at, at that altitude. Six, 620. Yeah. Wait, was there any room between where the throttle goes forward and could it go forward anymore? That's all I need to know. No, there wasn't. And also on a, two different occasions, my wingman said, Sinbad, watch out for those telephone wires. I said, shut up. And we just <laughs> pop right over the top of them, right over the top of them. So we get over that golf course and we time it just right. And we pitch it straight up to the vertical, right over the top of the golf course. And I look back over my shoulder as we pitch it up and I see the, I see the, the golfers out of a golf course and they're all waving their golf clubs at us. 
And then I see right north of the golf course, but another mile right outside of town is where the, the farmland starts. And there's a guy by the name of Glade Snowberger, who's a cattle rancher that lives right north of town. He has maybe a hundred head of cattle in a, in a pen. And I look back and those cattle are running in a circle, about a 30 foot circle going about 20 miles an hour each. And I'm like, uh Oh, this is not right. I'm looking back and going, that's not good. Well, that wasn't enough. I'm getting a big kick out of this. So I tell my wingman on the ICS, we're going to do, we're going to do it one more time. So we no. circle back around. Reattack. It's a reattack. I want you to kill every golfer on the course. Check me if I'm wrong, Sandy, but if I kill all the golfers, they're going to lock me up and throw away the key. Reattack. And we did the same exact thing, pitched up. And then we flew over about another 10 minutes, took to Grand Island Municipal Airport and we landed. My uh, brother was there, picked us up because he knew we were coming. And Johnny. he took us, yeah, he took us back to my to my folks' house. And we were sitting there having beers. And my dad had a grin from ear to ear. Boy, that, that was his boy, you know, that did all that stuff. It just shook the hell out of that town. And he was, his friends were showing up. A couple of the neighbors came over and we're sitting there having beers. We're in our flight suit talking. And that was, they were like, boy, that was something else. That was a lot of thing I've ever heard. And the guy that owned the, the uh, local newspaper, the Aurora newspaper, was one of my dad's best friends. And his house was on the north side of the golf course. He shows up and he's, there's three or four of my dad's friends sitting there. And he looks at me and he goes, Steve, that was tremendous. He goes, I, but I've got a problem. I said, Butch, what's the problem? He goes, you shattered my shower door in my master bathroom. I said, what? He goes, the shower oh, door no. on, my, on my shower in the master bathroom is showered from, from the, the noise, the, the, you know, the joint noise coming over and the percussion of it. I said, oh, please. Now, this guy is probably one of the wealthiest guys in town. You know, back then, he was a millionaire, so had, had all kinds of money. And I said, Butch, please let me do not put any of this in the paper, especially that I did that. I didn't do it. Plausible deniability, right? Good luck on that one. So I know nobody had me on, on radar, but a shower shattered door, you know, a shower door. So I said, I'd pay for it. He said, absolutely not. So there I was. Uh, that, that's my story. Now I got a caveat to that. You guys, this is the best part about the story. Okay. That's a great. Fast story. forward 30 years. All right. So what is that? A couple, two, three years ago, 35 years. I'm back in that same hotel. Now, my dad is 85 at the time. He, he's pretty much just sitting in his chair all the time watching The Price is Right reruns. That's all he did all day long towards the end of, towards the end of his life. And my sister lived about 10 miles uh, west of the town. So I'm in my pickup truck with my mom. I took her over to see my sister. We visited with her and about 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, mom said it's time to get back home. So we get back out on Highway 34. We're traveling back and it's a 65 mile an hour speed limit. As soon as I got on that highway, I looked at a, a car that was coming at me and it was a state patrolman. As soon as I looked at my speedometer, I was doing 72. I looked at my mom and I said, he's going to pull me over. I just, I deserve it. I'm going 72, but I know he's going to pull me over. Yeah. Sure as shit. We, we come to the merge. He passes me, he flips on his lights and he whips a UE and he's right behind me. I pull over on the side of the road he gets out 
he's an older gentleman. He's got a smoky bear on and it's a, uh, it's actually a state patrolman. A lot of them live in that area because it's central Nebraska and they hub and spoke their way across. Yeah. He came up, he came up to my mom's side and my mom is nervous at this time. Cause she, you know, I just got pulled over for speeding. <laughs> so I wrote my window down and I handed my, my uh, concealed carry permit card and my, my Nebraska driver's license. And he said, I'll be right back. And he walks back to the car and my mom goes, you shouldn't have been speeding. I said, mom, don't worry about it. I haven't had a ticket in 20 years. I, you know, I, I was going seven miles an hour and they're, they're really hard on that road. You know, seven miles an hour over, he's going to give me a ticket. After about 10 minutes, the state patrolman walks up on my side of the vehicle and he taps on the window and I roll the window down and he said, are you that center boy that flew that Harrier? over the town about 30 years ago. And I said, no, who's asking officer. And he said, well, that was real nice. He said, he handed me my license and my concealed carry permit and, and a warning. And he said, slow it down. Woo-hoo! He went back to his cop car and I look at my mother and I said, see mom, I just got out of a speeding ticket for something that I should have been thrown in jail for 35 years ago. It all paid off. Ain't that something? (laughs) Ain't that something? Ain't that something? (laughs) That's a true story. That's a good story. Yeah. That's a good story. So did you ever know? I mean, did you find out? Is that, was that guy? um, So what I did find out. Was he from Aurora? Yep. He's from Aurora. And back in the day when I did that, he was a deputy county sheriff. So he was with, he's with the, you know, the county sheriff's uh, department and he had worked his way over to the state department side. And I think he was just about ready to retire. Cause he was older, but he remembered it. He was there. I mean, how could you not? My God. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So you were a training command instructor. I know because I was there with you. And I, so I want to know uh, when you got to the training command, uh, you know, you and I flew together a couple of times as you know, I was checking you out, so to speak in the T 45. Um, you got good training command story. Uh, student scared you, maybe a fellow yeah. instructor. Go ahead. I've got one, but you might be able probably to jog my memory a little bit on this one because this flight actually was between, it was with you and me. And what? it was one of my, yeah, it was one of my initial uh, T-45 inauguration uh, flights. To, Hold on familiarization a flight. Wait, are you talking about I was doing a test flight and you say, hey, can I go with you? That might have been that it. One? I think it was. So it was a maintenance check flight, repeat, okay. maintenance check flight. He's, he's, he's not even checked in. He's basically checked in, but he hadn't started training yet. And he says, Hey, can I go with you? And I'm like, sure. It was a, it was an A card, which was the full profile, right? Oh yeah. Which and is so a post maintenance check flight, right? Yeah. Chuck post maintenance check flight. Now wait, hang, had, on. hang on. Hang on. I got to interject. You got to set the stage first. I had just come from a one year non-flying fat tour so i hadn't flown hardly at all right up until this point in time and you just wanted oh, to get yeah. a little backseat time to kind of get yes. me yeah my air sense going and again. he says you ask if you go with me and i said absolutely so repeat these uh a profiles usually took about an hour 15 hour 20 yep. minutes to do and i had it down to where i could get it done in about 50 minutes because okay. i could combine multiple checks with one thing okay yeah. uh, now was this the a4 or the t45 t45 okay all right, Sinbad, I don't want to steal your thunder. Go ahead. You're going to have to help steal the thunder because you, your memory's better on it. All I remember is that we started doing this uh, 
this profile and uh, we're getting most of it done. And, and most of the profile was pretty benign, but then you decide to fly out over the coast. Well, hold on a second. So the, I know what you're going to say. Yeah. And before, let me set this up. So repeat, you, uh, you took it up to 40,000 feet. You jockeyed the throttle around to see if you get the engine to cough. Yep. And then you did a high speed dive to check the uh, rigging. Right. right. High speed mock dive. And then you had to. So do then you said to yourself something like, I'm a lean, mean speed thingy. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, you had to do a low altitude, high speed rigging check. And you also were required to do an inverted FOD check and a negative G uh, oil, oil light yeah, check. So explain so, what an inverted FOD check is. So, you know, we would. Uh, uh, like you, I'm sure you did on all the profiles in oh, the yeah. Harrier. At, at some point, you rolled it inverted, and you did one G un- inverted. So anything that was uh, not supposed Pencils, to be there, pencils, chewing like gum, quarters or nickels yeah. that might have been in the cockpit, <laughs> they yeah. would yeah. they would go to the canopy, and then you could pick them up and put them in your pocket or whatever, right? Yep. So basically, you're just making sure there wasn't something in the cockpit that wasn't supposed to be there. Well, I would combine the uh, negative G. The negative G oil check, so it, it or negative G, yeah, it was a fifteen. That the the limit was you had to be, the uh, oil light, shouldn't come on for fifteen seconds inverted at, at negative one G or or you know negative one G basically level flight inverted. You had fifteen seconds of flight before the oil light would come on, so you had to hold it there until the oil light came on and make sure it didn't come on before that. You needed fifteen seconds, so I roll inverted heck the clock, but I'd also do that. I, I combine that with the high speed low altitude rigging check. Right. So nice. I'm going fast as the airplane would go. I'd roll it inverted. I'd hold it there uh, until the light came on. And that also was the FOD check. So I'm doing this. I just happened to be doing this as we were coasting over the beach and going out over the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, I just happened to be there. Go. All right. So tell it from your perspective. Well, from my perspective, you, you would announce what you're doing and you know, it, it was all right not having the phone for a year or so, <clears throat> but I started to get a little bit of green around the gills, and <laughs> he, he says he's going to do that. So I'm like, hey, you know, and Chuck's, he's doing his normal Chuck stuff. He's pulling G's, and he's, he's purposely doing aileron rolls, and now he's going to do this inverted FOD check. I'm like, okay, that can't be too bad. And after that, he said, we're going to go home. We're done. So, so we, he rolls this thing inverted. And all the coins start falling, you know, paper clips and pencils and pens, and we're picking them up. And he holds it there, and the gills are starting to get real green right now. And I'm like, ah, I'm not feeling good back here. <laughs> we need to turn this thing up upright and head on back. He's like, oh no, we got about 15 more seconds. I got to get this oil light to come on. This oil light comes on, we can roll it back upright, and we'll get back going back home. <laughs> and I said, enough of your fucking oil fucking thing. I'm going to kick your ass when we get on the fucking ground. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he rolls it. We get back. I I couldn't have kicked my own ass. My my legs were like jello when I got out of that cockpit. We got back to Kingsville. It was it was not good. Yeah, but it set, it set the tone for you, though, didn't it? Set it the did. tone a little bit. Welcome right? to Kingsville. Welcome to Kingsville. Yeah. Anyhow, nice. boys, I'm running short on time. Okay. Well, before you go, then let me well let me ask this. Then we'll, then we'll say our goodbyes. But um, uh. Did you guys shut down the engine in, in the T-45? No. For the, for the test flight? Okay. Yeah. For the test flight? Yeah. No. 
No, no, not, we did. Not, Remember, we did that in Harry, right? Did you do it on no, Harry? No, no, I never yeah. was a, a postman. So okay, you so shut yeah. it down and relit. It? Yeah, you, you shut it down and relight it. And mm-hmm. I didn't do it, but in the in the T bird, there was a guy named Reckless, and he was oh, flying. I remember that? I remember, yeah, that remember guy. Reckless? So Reckless yeah. is flying the post maintenance check flight. He's the maintenance officer at the RAG, and in his back seat, he's got one of the Italian uh, pilots. <laughs> Yes. His call sign was Doogie. And this guy looked like Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. Doogie so Doogie Hauser, right? So, yeah. so Doogie's riding with Reckless. And Reckless says, okay, we're going to shut down the engine now. Doogie's question was, uh, Reckless, uh, you do know that we only have one engine, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> what are you nuts? You shutting That's down your only good engine? <laughs> to, to which I have to say to this day, I kind of agree with Doogie. Yeah. What the yeah. hell are you doing? Thinking back, I think he was pretty smart. Exactly. (laughs) Why would you voluntarily shut down the only engine you have? Yeah, no kidding. Because your only other option is a is a rocket ride. So yeah, that's good. Oh man. Well, Sinbad, we can't thank you enough for for joining with us. uh, It's always great to have uh, a raconteur such as yourself to come and join and and tell some of the some of the wild stuff that went on in the airplane in the squadron. These these were good times. And we, we were especially blessed and privileged to be able to do this. Uh, well, at the same time, getting to serve our country. Exactly. Um, yeah. It was neat. But thank you very much for having me on. Yes. Would you be willing to come back and tell more stories at some point? Uh, yes, sir. Because I know you next got time, Next time I'm going to prep myself, I'm going to be drinking Dewar Scotch, not just beer. Well, there's that. But yeah, All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> the, stories will get, the stories get better. You know that. Right. Well, thank you, Jens. No. Well, thanks. Thanks so very much for coming with us. And uh, so uh, we'll wrap it up here and we'll be back next week with another episode. But in the meantime, everybody, check six.